Hi guys, Russell here. Um, so I think you know one of the things I've been saying is that the only thing the Fed or the markets really seem to care about is energy prices and energy inflation. Even though I think inflation is going to be ongoing, I see wage inflation continue to rise. Um, you know, when the market sees or the Fed sees lower energy prices, uh, they seem to be much more dovish than I would think is reasonable. But that's you know, that's their prerogative. So the, the question you got to ask yourself uh, is, is whether cheap energy is here to stay. Uh, so I'm going to have a look at that. I don't think it is, but, uh, you know, I think it's a reasonable question to ask. Um, so if we look at uh, oil prices in particular, I think this is what drove the sort of strong bull market or strong rally uh, bull market last year was that energy markets were far more uh, loose uh, and far better supplied than I expected given the ongoing Russian invasion in Ukraine. So from a peak of about 140 bucks uh, when the invasion first happened, you know, we, we sort of come back to around an $80 level, um, which is quite phenomenal really, which is sort of where we were before uh, the invasion even took place. So even though there've been huge sanctions on Russian production, uh, uh, we have not really seen your market get out of balance. And you know, one of the things you know that really took me by surprise is Doomberg, who I, I don't I don't really pay for his stuff, but I read his stuff, read the free stuff. Uh, it always struck me as more of an energy bull. Uh, it's certainly he's not been a big believer in renewable energy. I think big believer in, in uranium and nuclear, uh, which struck me as sort of like a, a bullish on energy. Uh, so I note that seemed to be sort of pretty bearish on energy, I thought. Uh, and that struck me as a bit odd, uh, given his, the other views that they had. So I thought, you know, let's have a look at, at energy. And, you know, I think, I know where he, I know where Doomberg is coming from, uh, but I think they're missing something potentially. So what I'm going to do is look at an example I'm very familiar with is, that, is iron ore. And what I'm trying to say here is a market structure is very important in the commodity market. Now, uh, for most people, iron ore was, until very recently, a, a, a product or something you never really thought about or need, was not an interesting market. Uh, for basically 20 years, from 1980 through the 2000, uh, iron ore stayed around 20 bucks. A good year, we maybe went to 25, bad year went lower. And the reason for that was that the Japanese steelmakers were the, by far the biggest buyers of iron ore in the world, seaborne iron ore, that is. And what the Japanese did in the very classic Japanese long-term thinking is that the Japanese steelmakers basically agreed one negotiator, one buyer of iron ore from the Australian and the Brazil sometimes as well, uh, steel uh, iron ore producers, and then they would go negotiate with them. And what the Japanese also used to do very cleverly was they used to fund almost every iron ore project in Australia to make sure there was an oversupply. So for those of you familiar with Japanese equities, Mitsubishi and Mitsui are big owners, big big owners of, of iron ore and coal mines in Australia. And that was a Japanese model. Invest into the raw materials, make sure there's low supply, keep prices low. And, and around the 2000s, the biggest trans steel uh, iron ore producers, so BHP and Rio, went out and bought uh, every independent iron ore mine they could make they could find. North is the one that really sticks in mind, uh, North Limited, but there are a few others. 
Uh, and then what happened, of course, the Chinese steel makers started coming to the fore. And so the market went from having one consolidated buyer and lots of producers to really three producers, now forward fuller skews come, come through, uh, and loads of loads of buyers. And so even with the slowdown that we've seen, the disappointing growth we've seen in, uh, uh, in uh, China this year, the iron ore price has stayed above 120 bucks. So it completely changed. So what I'm trying to say is market structure is very important. And so for me, uh, iron ore is also super common. It's as common as natural gas, as common as oil, uh, or even more common, I would say. It's just rock on the ground in, in Western Australia. But the market structure, how many producers there are and have, how much have access to that is just as important as the geology, which I think is what Doomberg is looking at. Um, so we come back and look at the states and, you know, if we're looking at supply of oil, just pure supply of oil, you know, one of the big surprises this year is that from August of this year, the DOE, Department of Energy, has, seen, has shown that the U.S. had one million barrels a day of oil production. This is a big surprise to me. I think it's a big surprise to the market as well. I think in part why markets have done so well over the last few months you suddenly have this surge in oil production, uh, which sort of implies that you know oil markets are going to be fine. Very strangely, is uh, I look at EIA. Now EIA data tends to focus on the shale region, and what we see from the EIA is no such surge. And EIA has got some sort of predictive value because they sort of look at wells that come online, so uh, and planned wells, so they they can go out into the future, and they don't show any of this increase. Uh, which is a real strange. So I was just looking at this data, thinking, okay, uh, oil market, oil market should be, you know, starting to tighten. If anything, not loosen. It should start to be tightened. We should start to see supply fall. So I was a bit surprised by that. And, you know, it makes you it makes me think maybe Doomberg is right. Markets will just oil markets will stay cheap and loose forever. Yeah, you, know, you look at this as well. This is drilled and completed wells. So what's really important is completed here. It's the red line. And even there, you're starting to see a dip. Uh, you know, so you, and the drilled wells has, dri has dropped a lot and the inventory has come down a lot. I've shown that before. So you'd be thinking it's very difficult for the U.S. to raise oil production from here. Something very, very strange. Doesn't look likely. So, of course, I go and have to look at the DOE data. And the DOE data shows what I thought, saw is in the main shale regions, which is like Texas, Wyoming, whatever, onshore, we haven't seen a big increase in oil production, but we have seen a big increase in production offshore, uh, which would be Gulf of Mexico. Um, and you look at it and you go, I think surge is not quite the, the right word, but recovery to old highs. So you can see it can be volatile at times, but we've suddenly seen this big return back to the previous highs of, uh, you know, uh, of oil production uh, out, of the, out, of the, uh, uh, out of the Gulf of Mexico. Um, so it's like, okay, well, maybe the Gulf of Mexico is coming back. And maybe, maybe this is where all the new energy is from. It's a bit surprising because the economics don't really favor Gulf of Mexico versus shale, but, but you know, there we go. Uh, fortunately, Baker Hughes, which is what we all used to look at back in the day when it wasn't shale driven, uh, uh, is not showing any change in the uh, well count in Gulf Mexico, not, nothing substantial anyway. 
Uh, and so for me, you know, makes the idea of uh, a big increase or continuing increase in Gulf Mexican Gulf Mexico oil production very unlikely. You can see what's happened to gas production out of Gulf Mexico has collapsed since shale's come through. Uh, and oil went up for a while, but it's done nothing for for a long time. So to me, that doesn't look like a, a structural change out of Gulf of Mexico. So we're going to look back at shale and see, you know, maybe we can get even more information about the shale and whether energy production is, is going, to, going to come off there. What you can see is uh, if we take out the Permian production, shale, uh, shale production has been you know, consolidated for nearly 10 years, ex-Permian. Permian's really been driving the growth. Uh, and we can see that you know, ex-Permian growth is back at 2012 levels. It's really been the Permian, particularly since 2016-17, that has driven the US production growth. Now, I've looked around, I even used ChatGVT. This is probably the best measure of uh, consolidation in the shale patch that I can find. Uh, this is a Bloomberg sort of estimates of total acreage. And what you can see is that Occidental is way at the top. Um, you got Chevron's in there. Uh, you got, uh, you got, um, and Chevron's bought, I'm pretty sure it's bought Pioneer, Exxon's bought Pioneer. So I'm a bit curious why I haven't matched those two up. But anyway, what you're seeing is that you're seeing a much more consolidated space in that you have a few, really one, two, three, six big producers, uh, maybe seven, if you seven big producers, and then a long tail of smaller ones. I'd be surprised if Diamondback, uh, Permian Resource, or Devon don't get bought. Uh, that'd be my surprise. Uh, or they merge with each other, they bulk up, otherwise they're going to be gone. Uh, but what we can see is that whole space is now getting very much consolidated, in my view. Uh, and so what I'm trying to say is like iron ore, which I mean, at back of the time, people were convinced iron ore would always be cheap. You start to see consolidation in that area. Well, you know, the consolidation here is actually quite advanced from my point of view. A lot of the crappy players have been bought. When we look at Goldman's research, what we can also see is that in the shale area and sort of highlight what the, the data was saying is that total resources discovered is dying, has been dropping for the last few years. So actually, you know, we, we've been in a sort of consolidation phase for a while. It's just, you know, it's, it's been cheaper to buy than to go and, uh, to go and uh, to, uh, search yourself now. So the world is changing already in the Permian. It just takes a while to, to come through, just like the same with the iron ore. What we can see is if we do get consolidation in the shale industry, the chances that oil prices go much higher are very high. All of the investment for nearly for the last 10 years, a large chunk of the investment in the last 10 years has gone to US shale, uh, shale oil or shale gas. And so that is the, the real driver of the energy market in that sort of perspective. Uh, and so if that area gets consolidated, which I think it is, then I suspect the market structure changes, even though the geology doesn't change, market structure changes and higher oil, oil prices are much more possible. Uh, and I think then we see a continuation of my key trade of GLD, TLD. Hope that makes sense. Happy New Year. Uh, and I'll talk to you in 2024. Take care. Bye.